back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a weekly news analysis and update podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. My name is Craig Johnson, and this week we are talking about fascist ongoings in France, Germany, and the United States. And this week, our See You in Hell is a twofer. We have two very important dead fascists this week, so stay tuned. Updates on the right wing in Europe come from Germany and France. Uh, in Germany, this week was the anniversary of the Fegida movement, the Patriotic Europeans Against the Islamicization of the Occident, uh, which is a ridiculous name for an incredibly nationalistic right wing organization founded in the city of Dresden in eastern Germany. Uh, they're a German far right organization who oppose, well, basically what their name claims to oppose. Um, they oppose Muslim immigration to Germany and to Europe in general. Um, they're six years old and they're harbinger of a new kind of right-wing political power in Germany, especially Eastern Germany. Um, now, unlike many of the other European countries on the continent, uh, Germany has, while they do have a right-wing organization, uh, that group, the AFD, is not big enough currently to actually contest political power. Um, this is unlike France and Italy, for example, where their respective right-wing organizations are definitely quite large enough to actually contest major national elections. Uh, and unlike similar movements in Poland or Hungary, where they are actually in state power, where they, where they have the government. Uh, another update from Europe is from France, uh, a member of the Generation Identity Group, uh, which is a militant right-wing organization, uh, has been arrested uh, after online publications of his plans to ram a car into a mosque um, and revealed footage of him actually attacking a young child of African descent. Uh, he is the leader of the Lille branch of Generation Identity, which is a network of continental, although primarily concentrated in France, groups on the far right. Um, they are a Western identitarian movement. They oppose immigration. Um, they oppose specifically immigration by people who are Muslim or from countries where Islam is the majority religion. Um, they're a nationalism that isn't explicitly racist, but is instead about culture and the West. Now, exactly what groups like this mean when they say something like the West, I would argue, and many other scholars of nationalism would argue, that effectively what they're talking about is the medieval concept of Christendom, right? They, they mean Christianity. They mean like countries where the majority of people are Christian, um, either Catholic, Protestant, or Eastern Orthodox. Uh, they have some connections with National Rally, which is the rebranded National Front Party, the party of Marine Le Pen and Jean-Marie Le Pen, uh, who are prominent right-wing nationalists in France and who have both actually contested presidential elections in France in the second round. So, okay, so we have this militant group. It's not explicitly racist, but it is extremely nationalist. It's very anti-Semitic. Um, it has connections with right-wing political parties that actually have government in some places. Well, gee, that kind of sounds like the Proud Boys. Um, this is precisely how you should be thinking about both of these groups. They're real fascist movements uh, whose members do participate in violence, have plans to participate in violence, and who often aren't racist in a caricature Ku Klux Klan type way, but are racist in a structural way in the sense that 
They believe in a kind of nationalism that excludes many people of color by virtue of um, other identities or statuses that they may have, either legal immigration status or uh, cultural or religious membership or um, of class markers, things like that. In the United States, we have the continuing aftermath of the far-right rally in D.C., um, a rally that was relatively peaceful for what it could have certainly been. Uh, there were a series of stabbings, but as yet no reported deaths or even major ongoing impossible-to-heal injuries, as far as I know. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Literally, please, cl- please correct me if I'm wrong. What this is telling us is that the fascists are capable of taking space. They are capable of forming a sustained political presence in the public sphere. They can mobilize and they have plans for the post-Trump era, uh, despite all of their rhetoric about not conceding the election and all of that sort of thing. There are more rallies planned by similar groups and some of them the same groups in many other cities. Um, If you are in a major city in the United States, Please pay attention to this kind of news. Uh, These people cannot be allowed to hold public space without contestation, or they and everybody else in the United States will learn that they are a normal, functional, and acceptable, in that they have been accepted, uh, group in United States politics. Now, another group in United States politics that I have been talking about quite a bit in this podcast and that you've probably heard of elsewhere is the Boogaloo Boys. Now, the Boogaloo Boys, unlike the Proud Boys or Patriot Prayer or things like that, uh, are a diffuse online network as opposed to an actual organization. Recently, the federal government has indicted one such person, a Boogaloo Boy, uh, for selling printed materials, uh, like, you know, 3D printed materials, Uh, that will turn uh, AR-type guns into machine guns. Uh, He's been indicted by the federal government. He was selling them online under, you know, a code name. You know, they were were wall hangers, quote-unquote, or some other crap. Um, But, of course, they were modifications for weapons. Um, That's because the Boogaloo Boys revel in violence. Uh, They try to participate in violence. They try to incite violence between protesters and the police. Um, They have been found responsible for several murders across the United States, uh, primarily during the wave of Black Lives Matter protests uh, earlier this summer. Additionally, in the United States, in terms of fascist news, the White House has appointed, again, a white supremacist to head a government body uh, that deals with the Holocaust um, and other sort of atrocity commemoration. Uh, This person's name is Darren Beatty. Uh, He used to work for the White House previously, but was fired in 2018 because he was found to have uh, attended a meeting that was also attended by white supremacist groups, by by leaders of white supremacist groups. So he was fired, and then they hired him again um, to head a part of the White House that deals with Holocaust commemoration. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's just like transparently, sinisterly, disgusting it's it's it, it's insulting to anyone whose family or loved ones uh were killed by fascists in the second world war or immediately before it it's disgusting to people who are members of the groups that were targeted by those fascists and it's disgusting to anyone in the world who mobilizes people in order to prevent those atrocities from happening again 
Now, this is the sort of activity from the Trump administration that gives me pause in my usual take, which is that they're they're not quite as fascist as, you know, many people pejoratively claim that they are. This is just, I mean, like, I, I, I honestly have no idea why, why you could possibly do such a thing. Rehire this person? It's insane. I, I, I mean, words are failing me. And as promised, we have a two for one in See You in Hell this week, um, both of them from Spain and both of them dealing with the Spanish Civil War. The first is José Antonio Primo de la Rivera, uh, who was a sort of intellectual dilettante poet and fascist organizer. Uh, he was the son of his father, Miguel, uh, Miguel Primo de la Rivera, who is Spain's first 20th century dictator. Um, he was the founder of the Falange political party in Spain, uh, and was also elected to the Cortes, the, the, the Spanish legislature at the time, um, under a right-wing political umbrella. Uh, he was also a poet, uh, and he was himself somewhat opposed to violence, but also believed in this sort of like cathartic virtuous possibilities of becoming a violent person. You know, he, he, he was a true fascist. He was a real fascist. Um, Jose Antonio, as he's typically referred to, uh, was imprisoned for the military insurrection that began the Spanish Civil War uh, and was tried partly for his responsibility for it uh, and also for the possession of a firearm, uh, which was illegal under the Spanish Republic. He was found guilty and killed by a firing squad in 1936 uh, at the very beginning of the Spanish Civil War, uh, which is why he doesn't play a part in uh, the rest of Spanish history except as a martyr. Um, the other fascist who died this day in history in uh, uh, Spanish fascism is none other than Francisco Franco, uh, uh, Caudillo and general, uh, the leader of Spain uh, after his victory in the Spanish Civil War. Uh, he had an early military career in Spain's colonial possessions in Africa. Um, he was sort of relegated out to the Canary Isles, which is, you know, sort of like sent out to purgatory, um, by the Spanish Republican government, um, where he then sort of reluctantly joined the coup slash civil war after its initial failure to immediately capture Madrid. Um, so he initially stayed out of the war, but then joined it, um, and benefited from the fact that much of the other nationalist leaders, um, Jose Antonio among them, uh, and also several other military leaders, died throughout the war, uh, leaving him as the undisputed leader of the nationalist right-wing military um, and monarchist coalition uh, that uh, achieved victory in the Spanish Civil War. Uh, after the war, he made Spain into a one-party state. Which party did he choose? He chose the Falange, uh, the party that Jose Antonio founded. The, the, the Spanish Falange is how they're typically referred to in English. Um, the Civil War and later repressions uh, under Franco killed an, a still unknown number of people, um, although we do know that that number is uh, somewhere in the hundreds of thousands, um, if we count uh, political prisoners, um, people who died in colonial possessions, things like that. 
Now, after the Civil War, Spain maintained an official neutrality in World War II, uh, although Franco did kind of want to join the war, but Adolf Hitler didn't want him to because he didn't want to make the concessions that Franco wanted. This is a complicated story. It's a different story. Um, so Spain officially stayed out of the war and remained famously neutral along with Portugal, uh, despite the fact that they were both fascist parties, you know, or at least quasi-fascist governments. Uh, over time, uh, the fascistic nature of uh, Spain's government, which was already questionable um, in the Civil War, Franco himself was not necessarily a fascist, he was a nationalist authoritarian. Um, the sort of fascistic elements waned increasingly as time went on uh, throughout the 1950s after the defeat of fascism in uh, Italy and Germany. And there was a transition to a more stable right-wing nationalist authoritarianism throughout the mid-century. Uh, eventually, rapprochement with the United States and other liberal countries um, through the 1950s and 60s, economic liberalization, uh, and finally, Spain returns to uh, democratic rule in the 1970s. Uh, this worked in part because of Franco's uh, fulfillment of his promise to transform Spain back into a constitutional monarchy, uh, which is what it had been before the republic that he took part in overthrowing back in the 1930s. Um, Spain today is still that same constitutional monarchy ruled by the son of Juan Carlos I, who was the king that Franco allowed to take the throne. Franco himself, of course, did not live to see this. Uh, he entered a coma in 1975 um, and had the plug pulled on him by his family as per his wishes uh, on this day in history, 1975. Officially, he died one minute after midnight uh, on November the 20th, obviously in order to make his death date exactly the same as Jose Antonio. Um, Jose Antonio was killed by firing squad this day in history, uh, November 20th, 1936, and Francisco Franco died this day in history, 1975. So to both Jose Antonio and Franco, we'll see you in hell. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a weekly news analysis podcast updating you on the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson. I'd like to thank Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our graphics and intro and outro music. And I will talk to you next week.